the content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. Welcome everyone, this is your host Lucian Gauthier and I am here with David Avocado Wolf. We are here today to talk about the amazing medicinal mushroom cordyceps. Dave is here to join us today to talk about cordyceps. This amazing mushroom has been used by athletes, people who engage in intense physical exercise. This is also something that people use for their lungs, respiration. This is a prized Chinese herb that's been used for centuries. Very difficult to make, very difficult to find and forage. So Dave, we've learned a lot over the years about cordyceps and different ways of making cordyceps available to people uh, at a reasonable price. This is something that has been very, very difficult to source. And now we have the new techno method of growing cordyceps. What have we learned about cordyceps over the years? Now, what's been figured out about this, this caterpillar-eating mushroom is that it's not just one organism, but it appears to be several organisms that symbiotically work together. And so that may be the real key to the magic of the wild cordyceps, which has great power and strength. Under the original Chinese dynasties, there were certain emperors who would forbade any of the citizenry from possessing cordyceps under penalty of death. That's how powerful this stuff is. And when you can get some of the great, like, Bhutanese cordyceps that Ron T. Garden puts out there, or some of the great cordyceps tinctures that are made from the wild cordyceps, um, you can really feel that incredible history and the lineage and the jing and the longevity power and the immunological power and the lung-building power of the substance. It's a tremendous substance for people who have lung conditions and, and also athletes who need a little bit extra support in that area. It's also great for people who are looking for the extra, you know, longevity strategy, that extra longevity kick um, that the wild cordyceps provides. But generally what's happened is the wild cordyceps um, has become so expensive and so difficult to get and so difficult to trust that years ago people began to take the wild cordyceps and see if they could breed it in in a cooked rice environment, which is how technocordyceps are grown or cooked rye or cooked corn or taking a grain and cooking it and then inoculating it with the cordyceps organism to see if they could grow it in a laboratory. And that has been very successful. It's very expensive. It's actually the most expensive of any single mushroom to grow in the laboratory environment. But it, it is done and it's a, a very powerful substance still, not quite as powerful as the wild. It retains its tonic um, properties. It generally very immunological, but carries less of the shen qualities, the heart-building qualities that the wild cordyceps has. You know, the, the part of the wild cordyceps that connects you to the lineage and the history of the substance. The cordyceps that you buy in that way we call techno-cordyceps. Um, techno-cordyceps is sold in capsules, it's sold in powders, and um, it's something that you know, I'm a big fan of and I take all the time, in fact, almost every day. Now, there's something in between, and that's something that the silkworm cordyceps, so instead of actually taking the cordyceps and trying to grow it on a grain, you grow it on something that's more natural 
for the cordyceps to grow on, which would be a silkworm. And instead of growing on the wild caterpillar up there on the high Himalayas, you use a silkworm instead. And that's kind of in between. It retains some really interesting properties of the wild cordyceps. It has a little bit more of that lung meridian power. It has a little bit more jing power than the techno cordyceps, but not quite as great as the wild cordyceps. And those are the three categories of cordyceps products that are out there right now in terms of the original raw material. You might be able to extract those raw materials using alcohol. You might use a double extraction process. You might, for example, heat them in water and then extract some with alcohol and then mix those two together in a tincture. But you have to start with one of those three basic materials. So again, they are the wild caterpillar cordyceps of the high Himalayas. Second would be the silkworm cordyceps, which is second down from the wild cordyceps, which is very powerful, very potent, very immunological, and increases stamina, has a lot of the same properties as the wild. Then there's the technocordyceps, which is grown on a race medium. Dave, what about the type of herbs that we can use in conjunction with cordyceps? I know most people aren't going to, you know, take their spoon and spoon out some cordyceps powder into their mouth and eat it. I know cordyceps usually is put in some kind of a chocolate smoothie or some kind of an elixir with a delivery herb that goes along with it to get it in there. I know a lot of athletes like to make their kind of super drinks before they go work out or go exercise. What's some kind of really clever strategies to get cordyceps into our body just in terms of delivering it? Great question. I I like using um, usually three herbs. That's what I've learned as an herbalist in any formula. So for example, if our primary herb is going to be cordyceps, our secondary herb might be goji berry, and our tertiary herb might be rhodiola. So you can make a little tincture combo or look for some kind of a combo out there um, in the market. Another thing you could do is you could take the cordyceps and you could blend it into an elixir or a smoothie. Um, it does go every direction. That's what's really interesting about the medicinal mushrooms. And, of course, cordyceps is a medicinal mushroom, even though it's not a tree mushroom. And that is they can go any direction. You can make, mix them into fruit smoothies. You can mix them into elixir tonic smoothies that are based on teas. You can put them right into coffee. And, in fact, cordyceps and reishi mushroom have been shown to neutralize the weak acids that are present in coffee. So an amazing addition to any coffee. Um, another way you can use them is you can sprinkle them into salads. You could sprinkle them into different types of dips that you're making. They're polysaccharides. That's the, that's the compounds that are in these medicinal mushrooms like cordyceps. And when you put them into a dip, you're creating more of a gelling kind of compound in there so it gives the, the dip a little bit more body. And what about putting sweeteners in with some of these delivery systems? Well, sugar is an incredible delivery system because it, it activates insulin, and insulin you know, is able to drive the nutrients into the cells. It's able to drive the hydration to the cells and the water into cells. So th- there's, there's some aspect of it that says actually if you mix things with honey, for example, let's say you took a, a number of different herbs and you blended them in with honey like they do in Ayurveda, to create Chivant Prash, that you're going to actually, first of all, you're going to overcome the first hurdle of herbalism, which is compliance, because people will eat it because it tastes good. But there is an effectiveness that's there. But then there's also the, the other side, which is when you use too much sweetener, when it's too sweet and too sugary, and then it starts to have negative health effects, where we feel the hypoglycemia, the ups and downs, the roller coaster blood sugar rise which in my opinion is 
kind of counterproductive to what you're trying to do in the first place, which is deliver, you know, great health and medicine into your body. That, that's how I look at it. So it's like what Rudolf Steiner said. There's nothing more valuable for health than to use the right amount of honey. And that's what you got to figure out for yourself. Now, the right amount for somebody might be zero, right? You might not be able to use any at all. You might be dealing with a digestive infection or cancer, in which case you should use none. But some of us are in a healthier position, so we might say, okay, you know what? I can use a little bit of honey, but not too much. Generally, I feel like herbs and and um, medicinal substances and superfoods work better when they're a little tiny bit bitter. And that just also slows you down from drinking it too quickly or eating the substance too quickly. It you know, allows that moment of hesitation where you can appreciate what you're having. And I, that's how I like to generally land my own drinks, is I don't like it to be too bitter. But I like it to be just kind of bitter enough that that it's, it doesn't taste so good that I drink the whole thing immediately or eat the whole thing immediately. It feels like the compounds are more active in that bitter state. Dave, I've got to ask you, because of the unique way that cordyceps mushrooms are developed, I know the techno mushrooms are kind of a different breed, but what is it about, you know, for example, a reishi mushroom, the spores, the chaga mushroom kind of grows on a tree symbiotically with the birch. Cordyceps grows from the mushroom that spawns out of the caterpillar. They're, they're developing in such different ways. What is it about the ways that they're being reproduced and regenerating and uh, multiplying that make them slightly different and unique? Right. They, that's very interesting. I mean, first of all, the selection that you just made between reishi, chaga, and cordyceps, these three may be the most powerful medicinal mushrooms in the whole world. Um, they, they're highly regarded, heavily researched, and they're effective. So they have different modes in the terms of the way that they reproduce, and they have a different um, pattern of life, and it's peculiar, peculiar to their personality. Reishi is very different from any other tree mushroom in that it dies back every year. So it comes out of the tree, and then at the end of the season, it kind of rots away, and by the next season, it's usually almost completely gone, and then it will produce more the next year. So it's producing this big woody mushroom every year. That's a lot of energy, a lot of material needs to be produced to produce that every year. Most of these tree mushrooms just kind of get a little bit bigger every year. They're just sitting outside that dead log, get a little bit bigger every year. And, and reishi mostly in the world grows on dead trees. Not always. It does come out on living trees in some tropical environment. Now, chaga grows on living trees um, pretty much exclusively. And it's a symbiont. It's an endophytic mushroom. So it's an assister. It, it, it helps and assists life. And it helps the immune system of the trees that it grows in. And well, the part that we take of the chaga when we're collecting wild is the fruiting, it's not the fruiting body, it's actually the body itself. Most of the time, like with a reishi mushroom, the body of the mushroom is inside that log. The part that comes out is the fruiting body or the reproductive organ of that mushroom. With chaga, it's different. The part that bulges out is actually the part that's normally in the tree. It's the mycelium or what we call the sclerotia. The only time that you're going to get a fruiting body of chaga is when the tree that it is in dies. At that point, chaga will produce these little black half-moon types of reproductive fruiting bodies, and those will produce the spores. So this is indicating personality differences. Um, Rishi is existing in this recycling zone and typically grows in sacred places. It's kind of difficult to find, but it, it produces a huge amount of growth each year. 
And that growth is dependent, as has been studied, on lightning. Lightning will stimulate the production of reishi and get it to grow faster. Now, chaga is symbiotic. It's endophytic. It's got this whole thing of it's working with the organism. It's part of the immune system. So then we go to cordyceps and we find out, okay, it's way, way up there in this very, very high-altitude environment, the highest-altitude environment that anything can grow in the whole world. And it's using a particular type of caterpillar as its food. And it's symbiotically bringing in other organisms as part of its structure. I mean, we know now that cordyceps is not one organism. It's several when it's in that wild state. And so all of these organisms work together to eventually overcome this caterpillar and produce a sporulation that literally comes out of the third eye of the caterpillar and sends the spores out. So this is kind of telling us that, you know, it's kind of bringing together all these forces to survive a very extreme climate. I mean, we're talking about a climate that's almost above the grass line. I mean, it's right below the snow line of the Himalayas is where the stuff comes from. And I believe that those different personality traits that these different mushrooms have um, are not only expressed in the way that they grow, but they're expressed in the way that they affect you. That the cordyceps is an adaptogen, that chaga is an immunological symbiont, and that reishi is like lightning. It's, it, it carries through into the way that your body deals with these substances and enjoys these substances and utilizes them. Wow, that's really exciting the way you just explained that. It really sheds a lot of clarity on the differences in those mushrooms and really makes me enthusiastic about combining them together and using them in different ways. I know Longevity Warehouse, we carry really high-quality cordyceps. I know you're involved in kind of the sourcing of that, and you're quite closely involved with making sure that, you know, the stuff that we carry is really high-quality because you use it yourself. So can you talk a little bit about the type of cordyceps that we carry versus maybe run-of-the-mill cordyceps or what make it so unique? The technocordyceps that we have in the Myron glass containers at Longevity Warehouse is the hardest medicinal mushroom to grow in a laboratory environment. So what that means is is that we're taking something that normally grows on a caterpillar at a very high altitude, and we're growing it on a grain, which is in this case is organic rice, and actually it's organic brown rice, in a controlled laboratory environment. And it doesn't always work. It's hard to make it happen. And that's why it's always been the, you know, the most valuable of all the medicinal mushrooms um, grown in a, a technological way, grown in a laboratory environment. Now, having said that, you're going to get a lot of interesting benefits from the techno-cordyceps that you may even not be able to get out of the wild. And one is, is this discovery that when you grow in it in an organic brown rice medium, you're going to get access to a much higher level of mycelium sugars or strange polysaccharides, which are immunological, than you could in the caterpillar form. You're going to get an immunological benefit specifically that's different from the wild cordyceps. Overall, sure, the wild cordyceps is is superior. You know, it's the greatest there is, uh, perhaps in all, you know, the entire world of jing herbs. But when you come back to exactly how this longevity warehouse cordyceps works, what you're going to find is it's immunologically superior because it has all the unique and special sugars that it takes out of that rice and converts through its life processes into these strange lengths of sugars, these weird glucans molecules that fit as food for your white blood cells. 
your white blood cells eat these types of molecules, these strange polysaccharides, cut them up into little pieces and use them as immunological weapons when they're fighting viruses and bacteria and fungi. And this is research that really has finally completely come together now, just in the last like four years, about how your immune system works. Your immune system needs certain foods, and it needs those weird polysaccharides. And that's why cordyceps is one of the great medicinal mushrooms in the world, because it produces these weird polysaccharides that are immunological. Having said that, you also get the incredible lung meridian benefits that, that's still there. You're still going to find that with the technocordyceps, and you're still going to get some Jing benefits. When you're doing the technocordyceps, again, that's like the longevity warehouse, Myron glass type of powder. It's easy to do. It's easy to eat. It tastes good. And generally, the theory about it is, is that you need to do it continuously a long time over many years to really build that Jing that it has a, an immunological effect, but not only that, but a gene effect that can affect you and your progeny. And that's how this um, cordyceps lore has kind of come through, is that you can actually affect your, your descendants uh, by the amount of cordyceps that you bring into your diet. It's that powerful of a gene substance. And that as you, you know, eventually, you know, have children, mother your children, father your children, that those children will be passed along benefits from the from your consistent use of cordyceps through your life. Thanks so much, Dave. This has been an amazing insight into the medicinal mushroom cordyceps. If you're interested in purchasing some cordyceps, you can click on the link below. This will take you to the link to Longevity Warehouse, where we have the best quality cordyceps in the world, and you can enjoy it in your smoothies, and we hope you all enjoy it. Thank you. It's been awesome.